Welcome to episode 98 of All the Small Takes. Uh, we think it's episode 98. We're pretty sure it's episode 98. Uh, there might be a lost tape here or there, but uh, I'm here with John and Cooper. It's a Wednesday night in June. We're following the M- MLB draft very closely tonight, so you have to excuse. Cooper in particular is very distracted, I know, by the baseball draft. I know he had some, some mocks that he uh, was concerned about. So, Cooper, I'll check with you first. How are you doing? Um, I know it's been a stressful week for you preparing all of your materials and things for Major League Baseball's draft. Yeah, uh, wonderful. No joke. I kind of walked out of the room as soon as you started talking about baseball and then just came back. Man, I know. I was so good. I thought I could catch you off guard. Yeah. Uh, No, we're good. That's pretty much it. Baseball's on, I think. The draft's on. That kind of not my favorite thing to watch. But we do have sports coming back. Soccer's coming back in a week, which is awesome. Uh, Not so awesome for my family uh, because I'm going to be super distracted watching that. Uh, but I mean, that's a great thing to say six days until EPL soccer. I was going to ask, cause there are other soccer leagues back and we're going to talk about, um, the timing and return of the American soccer league here shortly. John, how are you doing? Doing well. Uh, um, I'm sorry. I got really confused. I was, I was thinking of American soccer league and I was thinking ASL and I was like, doesn't that stand for something else? And I was like, oh, yeah, American Sign Language. Um, but, yeah, we're doing good. Um, a podcast in sign language would be interesting. <laughs> it would be interesting. <laughs> um, we, finished, uh, we finished watching Space Force. Um, first half was uh, all right to good. Uh, second half was, was bad to all right. Um, so definitely. Oh, so you're saying stop while I'm ahead. Someone I'm who's saying, on episode three. <laughs> I feel on episode, yeah, how many, maybe like eight episodes, maybe watch episode four and then just taper off, uh, you know? Um, I just had to Google uh, Space Wars. I still am not sure what it is because the first thing that comes up is a competitive two player video game released in arcades in 1977, which I'm sure is not what you're referring to. No, no, Space Force is a show with Steve Carell in it that is riffing on, that is basically Space Force. Oh. Space Force. Did you think I said Space Sports? Space War. Wars, so you space got, wars, yeah, yeah, like Star Wars, but in space, space. <laughs> which is basically space. Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Space Force, I'm familiar with. Space Force, yeah. So, okay, could use some work, but John Malkovich and Steve Carell generally a good pairing. I think they just got to work on the writing. Um, got to work on the writing, but. Well, we have a, a TV um, documentary extraordinaire in our midst, as we'll get to a little bit later. Um, so John, maybe you could lend them an advisory hand of sorts. I'm sorry. I was really confused about what you were talking about. <laughs> I remembered that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, a little, that's a little like editorial um, Easter egg for only us. Um, all right. Uh, we're going to talk about sports being back. Uh we're going to talk about touch on all the major sports that have uh, plans or in the case of baseball, maybe don't have plans, but that are on the horizon um, here shortly. But first I'll let you know, you can find us on Twitter at small takes, Instagram, small underscore takes, uh, Facebook, all the small takes and Gmail, all the small takes at gmail.com uh, download, subscribe, leave a review. We're going to bucket these into the good, the bad and the weird. And we'll 
we'll start with the good, as we like to do. And Cooper already mentioned it. Uh, soccer has plans solidified both here and in the EPL. So EPL is coming back sooner than MLS. Um, EPL is coming back next weekend. I'll let Cooper talk about the, the MLS and the EPL. Um, but the MLS in particular had some uh, roadblocks or some hurdles to get through, much like baseball has not been able to do in terms of labor disagreement. But they made it work, baseball. Hope you're watching and listening. Um, but Cooper, what's the plan for MLS to come back? Yeah, so for MLS, they're going to do... They kind of just announced this, actually, in the past couple of days. I think maybe three days ago is when the plan came out. Um, so what they're going to do is they're going to have a World Cup-style tournament in Orlando. I think the start date is the 8th of July, uh, so less than a month away. Um, and then they're going to play knockout-style games. Uh, sorry, group stage games and the knockout-style games, ending in a final on August 11th. Um, so the teams will get like regular season points for those. So you'll get, you know, three points for a win, one point for a tie in the group stage. Um, so they'll count as regular season games. Cause they hope that after the tournament ends, uh, kind of the situation in America allows them to return to home stadiums and play out the rest of the regular season before ending in a traditional, uh, postseason that the MLS has had. Um, so that's the hope. Uh, they at least have a plan in place. I know that the tournament is like pretty solidified. Um, like that's probably a definite uh, unless obviously, you know, things can change and things have changed. Um, but, and what kind of happens after the tournament, I think it's probably a little bit more up in the air, but there's at least something in place, which is much better than it was a week ago. Um, I have, I have two questions real quick. Uh, um, who is the host country and which is the group of death this year? And is America. In that one? <laughs> no, America, America did not qualify for the World Cup. <laughs> As expected, um, the host country Florida. is America. It's Florida, kind of weird. Florida's um, own country. Yeah, and then yeah. no, they haven't Florida. come up with come out with the groups yet. But we will definitely have to analyze it as a. We'll have to analyze the groups when they come out. I'm sure we can come up with a group of death. Yeah, I mean, I, is there like a heavy? Fa- I'm I'm trying to think about like teams that would be heavily favored, and I my initial thought is the Galaxy because they always seem to be in the mix. But they have to. Are they going to be able to replace Latam? Um, well, they they brought in Chicharito. I know, but and that's not comparable. At no, all. that's not like. Um, <laughs> so no, I mean, I would imagine the teams that are going to be the favorite are the teams that are always the favorites. So you're talking about both LA teams. You know, Portland, Seattle, Kansas City, yeah. those are your Western Conference teams. And then Philly was really good last year. They're, they were probably going to be really good this year. Atlanta, Red Bull, things like that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It'll be interesting. It'll probably also be, I'm not entirely sure, because obviously there are going to be cases where, I mean, I kind of expect there to be players who do not want to travel to Orlando um, and leave their families behind for potentially a month. Um so it'll be interesting to see how that kind of impacts the league. So I, have, I don't know. We'll have I have a couple of other questions. Have they talked about or said what the or if there is any like prize or incentive regular season wise for winning this tournament? Like, do you get a? Well, I mean, outside of getting more points, right? So I would but, imagine winning the tournament gives, I mean, has gives you the potential to earn more points. Uh, it also gets you an automatic bid into next year's. Uh, CONCACAF Champions League, which is kind of that 
tournament that happens between yeah. the top MLS teams, the top uh, Mexican League teams, the top Canadian League teams. Wait, do the Canadian League teams even qualify? Scratch that. And then, but the other Central American <laughs> League teams. Sorry. Sorry, the Canadian teams. <laughs> Um, but if they, so I was under the impression that only the group stage games would count towards the regular season. Cause then you're going to have a disparity in terms of games played. Like That's how, true. How, yeah, I'm not, I'm curious, I guess how they're, and maybe they can make up for those games. Like scheduling doesn't need to be like one for one always. Um, but that's interesting. That's actually or, a good point. I don't know what's going to happen. So if like teams don't qualify for the knockout stage, uh, I'm assuming they stop playing. It could be. I mean, they could have like a losers bracket. Yeah, just so teams can keep playing and have the potential to get points, um, and just kind of keep everything equal. Uh, I would, that might make most sense. I don't really know what I. Sorry, don't know the details on that. I'm but not I Don Garber. I could just say winners win, and you know, that's tough canookies if you don't make the knockout stage and you don't get the extra points. Uh, you know. Just be real, real hard nose about it. I like this idea. I wish they. I think they should start every season this way. I feel like it'd be fun um, uh, and better than the way they currently started, which is just through a mediocre ad campaign following the Super Bowl, and then we slowly roll into it around the same time baseball starts or something. Like that. <laughs> I don't know. Um, yeah. It's kind of fun. what the NBA has talked about doing, like midseason, like having mm. a having a separate standalone tournament. This was actually going to be my other half serious question. How long until we get the inevitable NBA MLS crossover where, like, on an off day, an NBA team shows up at an MLS game and, like, vice versa, MLS teams showing up at um, NBA games or Orlando, which we can segue into the NBA. But you would think that those, like, maybe you wouldn't think because they probably want to keep them as separate as possible yeah. for health reasons. But um, them being in Orlando, I mean, eh, there'll be, be someone will write a story. Someone will write the, well, LeBron James would actually be the greatest American soccer player of all time if he'd been trained from a young age story. Do you know how giant, uh, sorry, never mind, we're not getting into that. Um, <laughs> he would never before. work on the soccer field, ever. Um, as great of an athlete as he is, and as much as I love LeBron James, it just wouldn't work. Uh, I also found your answer. Only the group stage games are going to count for points. Okay, that's oh, that's so lame. Oh come on! <laughs> I'm sorry, John. <laughs> it doesn't matter that you make the quarterfinals every year or something. You know, uh, that's that's just awful. They should be a reward. Anyway, take it up with what's the commissioner's name? Don Garber. John Jarber. Uh, <laughs> 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 uh, I'm just jotting that down as a potential title for the episode. <laughs> it's, it's great. Uh, okay. Um, and then EPL, is there any anything we should know about English Premier League returning? Obviously no fans. No, but... just be pumped about it. It comes back on first two games are Wednesday night, a week from tonight's recording. Um, other leagues will be coming back as well. Actually, pretty much all the major European leagues except the French League, I think, are coming back. I might have to look into league one um but yeah all the other leagues are coming back the bundesliga has been played has been playing for pretty much a month now um which i think is going to actually be kind of a major help for all these other sports leagues as they come back uh just because they figured out a lot of things 
Uh, like now they're broadcasting with crowd noise, which I think has helped out a lot. Um, and I hope all of like American leagues do this. Um, I really, I mean, we're going to talk about that in a second, but um, I don't know. I think the Bundesliga has been a good kind of trial run for all these kind of these other leagues. And I hope they kind of learn from their mistakes and their successes. So, but yeah, that's pretty much all I have for soccer. Did they, did the EPL, how do they sort out the foreign players issue? Because I know that was a problem. Did, are they just all back in the country now? Or? Yeah, they're all back in the country now. And the EPL is doing testing every single week. So everyone, staff included, gets tested every single week. And they release the like data. Um, so like most recently, I, I actually think those test results just came back today for the EPL. It was like one person uh, out of everyone tested. So... Uh, yeah, they're doing weekly testing to make sure that that's go. all good. Yeah, so you mentioned the NBA. Um, we now have a plan. There were lots of ideas similar to a World Cup style, you know, group stage tournament to to sort of finish off the NBA season and determine seeding. What they ultimately settled on is 22 teams, so the eight top teams in each conference, and then. Uh, four teams? No, six six teams, six six additional teams. Math um, that were within four games, six games. How many? <laughs> what was the cutoff? I think we should just say the teams, okay. the bottom teams that made it. <laughs> See, this is why. Uh, um, so anyway, they they included a handful of teams that are on the fringes of playoff contention. Um, within a certain number of games that I do not know off the top of my head, but it includes one Eastern Conference team, the Wizards, and then in the Western Conference includes a larger number. So you have the uh, Pelicans, the Spurs, the... Help me out. I know someone else. Blazers. Blazers, that's right. The Kings? I think you mean the Sun Kings. The Sun Kings. The Sun Kings. Well, are the Grizzlies in the, are the Grizzlies in the eighth spot? The Grizzlies are in the eighth spot. Okay. Oh, but John Morant gets absolutely no respect. Um, so that should really be like the ninth spot. Oh, yeah. I'm glad that we're working through this together. Um, so we'll start with the the format itself. Are you guys happy with this format? Because we we had options. We had the option of just saying, "All right, we're going to restart with." 16 teams where the season dropped off. We had the option of bringing more teams back and doing something like a group stage world cup style tournament. Are you happy with this format as a fan? Um, well, probably speaking, I'm not a fan of the NBA per se. I'm a fan of the, the Sixers and that's kind of it. Um, and, and occasionally the NBA finals. Um, but uh, I mean, I think it makes sense this is kind of what i predicted thought would happen which is that the nba was not going to do anything earth shattering or potentially discomforting to their fans uh, they were going to bring some people back they were going to let them play to get in shape and then they were going to sub- submit them to like the 50 day grueling um thing that is the nba postseason where they're just going to grind their lesser players into dust um and hope that you ended up on a team with lebron and you might make it further along and before you die um so uh I mean, I think it's fine. I'm a little disappointed they were going to play these games inside. Um, I really think if they were going, if they're going to go to a warm weather climate, 
Um, they should. I mean, it's they're going to be playing them in summer anyway. I think they should play them outside. To be perfectly honest, if you're not going to have anyone in the stands, don't do what the Korean baseball league did and put stuffed animals in the stands, which you could do, which would be you know moderately funny. Um, I think it would be way better to actually just go play on a basketball court outside somewhere. You could do it in some of these beautiful places in Florida. Maybe you could like rent out, buy a, like a golf course and put down a um, you know a court in there and just make it like these beautiful panoramic things. I think they missed out on a lot of that um, by just deciding to do it in a stadium inside. So my thoughts. Man, so the weather factors would be unreal. Yeah, wouldn't it though? Remember Could you when imagine they played... playing in like a tropical storm? <laughs> <laughs> I just remember when no, they tried to play. I could not remember, do you remember the weird they era? Battleship. Of, yes, I was just gonna say of college basketball when yes. they played those season opening games on uh, battleships. Sorry, no. yeah, aircraft carriers, aircraft and they carriers. had like issues with condensation on the yes. court. On the on the court so, on the ball. Uh, I'm sure that, that would go great if they try that in the NBA. No, um, so the Suns actually are in. So it's the. Um, Blazers, Pelicans, Kings, Spurs, Suns, Wizards are those teams that are currently not in the playoffs, but have the opportunity to play their way in. And they have to be within, um, I think it's three games, three or four games of the eighth-seeded team in order to trigger this playing game where they would have to win two games to sort of unseat. But no, that's so it's the teams within six games are now invited. But at the end of the season, they're only doing the play-in if it's oh yeah, yeah three games Sorry. I think. But yes, that was the cutoff. You're right. It was if you're within six games of the eight spot. Um, but then basically those two teams, if it's within three games, I think I think it's three games would play. And if the 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 team that's on the outside would need to win two, if the team that is in the eight spot would just need to win one. Um, I think it's like an overall fair. Um, way to finish out the season and to get teams back into and players back into like physical health. I think basketball is at right now the greatest risk, uh, just in terms of like the physicality and like the difference between regular season, like let alone regular season and postseason basketball, but like three months off and postseason basketball, the greatest risk of like a drop off in quality of play, greatest risk of injury. Um, so I think this is a good way to like, as much as they could without drawing it out, um, have like a lead into the postseason. I'm really interested to see if the drop off in um, training leads to an increase in playing defense, um, like as a way to equalize because maybe your shots aren't going in or whatever, or you can't just drive down the court every time, or if the disease you know, COVID and everything leads to a inability, like a strong desire on the part of basically every player to really not touch anyone on the court um, or to avoid it where you can. Um, I'm just wondering if that's going to play, play a role. The, the sad thing is, is we don't have Lance Stevenson, so we can't know if he would still blow in the front of the year or not. Um, and what, what reaction that would lead to in the modern, you know. It would have to be a suspension. Yeah, I mean, you'd have to be just thrown out of the league. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I mean, you can't do that. <laughs> you'd have to, like, call a timeout on the floor and test LeBron immediately. I don't know. Uh, I think they're, I think it's interesting. I think, like, what teams are going to benefit. Like, I mean, how are they deciding on the remaining schedule? 
uh, for this because I mean, obviously, seating matters. Like, I don't think. Well, maybe not. Maybe it doesn't matter because I don't know if anyone's going to catch the Lakers and the Bucks because they're. It looks like kind of their well, first seeds are kind of intact. Yeah, and you don't get home court advantage. No, but it it's just a matter of playing. What, no, but it matters in terms of like, are you Match-ups. playing in the next round? Are you yeah. playing? You know, a three seed versus a four seed. That matters. But I mean, that matters. But at the same time, it's a bracket. It's not a World Cup style playoff. You're going to have to play the teams that win. Because, like, know? right now, there's a chance that Clippers have to play the Rockets in the first round, which is, like, that's not a cakewalk. Yeah, but if the Rockets beat the Lakers in some other matchup, the Clippers still have to play the Rockets at some point in time. You know, it's like you still have to play these teams. I guess. It's like, it's like why some of the seeding in the NCAA tournament is a little, like, eh. I mean, I get it more in college because it's one game, and so maybe, I don't know, there's some psychology to it, but it's... We're talking about your, your seven games. You know, it's like, if you're better than this team, why does it matter if you play them in the first round or the second round or if you play them in the finals? You know, you got to beat them. Um, and you have, it's not like you've only got one game to do it and you're maybe really tired. You have seven yeah. games, you know. And, and they did preserve that format. They didn't, they didn't shorten any of the rounds, like even the first round, which was one possible solution discussed. The home court advantage thing will be interesting. Um, and... I'm curious what your guys' thoughts on like the not legitimacy, that's not the right word, but like how we'll look back on this season. Like there's one lens to view it through where you would say, like, weird season, um, like obviously no home court, like but if you're a team like the Bucks or the Lakers that played all season for home court and earned number one seed in your respective conference, it's almost more of like a if, if it, one of those two teams ends up coming out and then winning the NBA title, that almost reflects better on them than winning in a normal year. I would, th- I would argue. Um, like, do you guys, do you guys think the the asterisk or like, um, it's going to, the narrative is going to depend on who wins it. Yeah. And it's going to yeah. like, depend on who's like, for example, I can guarantee if the Lakers win the championship, you're going to hear me like backing LeBron, just as the same you're going to get Jalen Rose talking on Get Up the next day, talking about how like lucky LeBron was for the coronavirus that he had three months <laughs> off, right? And then that's just how it's going to be. I think like it's totally going to depend on who wins it. Um, I think probably the Lakers, if the Lakers win, I think that would probably result actually in the most controversy just because of LeBron. Oh, I disagree. I think there's a, a way worse uh, outcome in terms of controversy. It's a team we've already talked about, and it's the Rockets. It's absolutely the Rockets. That would the, be like the, I just give such a small chance to the Rockets, actually. Sure. Get. Yes, but fair. I'm but super like, excited to see what small ball looks like in the postseason. Right, because last we saw them, they had gone fully all-in, trading yeah. um, Clint Capella, like playing they have PJ a, Tucker is a five, a level of small, but we have never seen before. <laughs> yeah. So that, that yes, far fetched, like astronomical odds, but like, it's possible in this format, I guess, like if there are injuries or like, we haven't talked about this, but there's the very, very real possibility that like a major player gets infected. Yeah. And, of having to miss like critical games in a series but is that any um, different than like what you would normally get in a postseason with i mean i guess it is different because it's an added layer but we get that every single year with injuries in the postseason it happens every year there is a major injury 
that changes the dynamics of the postseason. I mean, we can Last just like there were two. go. Th- yeah, we can just go through like year by year and name them off the top of our head because they're memorable. Um, I don't think just because there is coronavirus, which is an added layer. I mean, it's but it's still like stuff we've dealt with every single year, not in the disease, but in terms of missing out on players. I think there's a very good case to be made that the, whoever, the, whichever team wins this year, is actually probably the best. Uh, I don't know the purest champion. I would say would be would be my phrasing, just because there's not there's a lot of extraneous things, but every team is dealing with them. You know, there's no there's not any travel stuff. There's no the NBA messing around with the schedule and giving you giving home court teams like you know extra you know super long periods off and. There's, there's none of this stuff. And also, I think the rest before the playoffs is not going to be a factor. You know, like the idea that, um, you know, team, this team isn't playing for this. You know, this, this team's already got their seating done, so they're maybe going to monkey around with their roster a bit more so they could maybe not play as hard. Or, you know, LeBron doesn't have to play as hard because they've, they've already got it locked up, all locked up. You know, that's not a factor now. It, it's Everyone's pretty much in the same boat, and it's going to be, who is actually better at playing basketball right now. And that's how who's, who the champion is going to be. I mean, there's going to yeah. be things like people are going to get injured. Someone's going to come in with a fever or a sore throat and they're going to go, heck no, you're not, you're not playing today. You know, and that, you know, that's probably going to, that's good. There's going to be a controversy like that. You know, James Harden's going to show up and he's going to say, Hey, I had a little bit of a sore throat last night and they're not going to let him anywhere near the facility and the Rockets are going to lose or they're going to go on a great streak and they're going to win. Who knows? Um, but <laughs> something like that's going to happen. But I still think you, we get we get a very unique opportunity to actually watch very good people play basketball, play basketball without all of these other things that the NBA dumps onto their their teams. Yeah, I agree. And I actually like after thinking about this for I think a lot of this discussion frames around the idea of who benefits the most from it, and I think. A lot of people immediately go to the Clippers because of the home court advantage, disadvantage that they have in Staples. But like, I actually think they're at a major disadvantage because of what John said. Because everything's normalized, like their their like plan was banking on the fact that you know LeBron's playing 82 games at 40 minutes a game while Kawhi and Paul George are sitting on the bench, and now all of a sudden that doesn't matter. Like LeBron's got his rest. Giannis got his rest. Everyone's done load management. Everyone, yeah, yeah. everyone went through load yeah. management. Um, <laughs> so I actually think the Clippers are probably the major losers of the break uh, because their strategy, it, I mean, it's not a leg up anymore. I think there's a chance the Sixers are the major losers because of their home court. They were so good at home. But I think the flip side may be, I don't know if they were so good at home, or they were just so awful. On That's really what I'm, what I'm interested to see. And there's no road games anymore because um, every game's a neutral site. So I don't know. We'll, I guess we'll find out. But <laughs> yeah, um, the Sixers were in the sixth slot, right? When everything yeah. kind of paused. So Sixers, yeah, the Sixers and the Knicks have the same away record. Just hey, that that I don't know. I don't know what the Celtics will be like away from the Garden without all their lovely fans. Um, yeah. Well, and, and I, I, we'll see how they, uh, uh, they do with the uh, MB stopper Al Horford no longer. Al Horford. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Switch go ahead, John. Sides. What were you going to say? Um, 
Mike, are they going to treat a team like a home team? Like, are they going to do... Because, like, my, my question is, is, like, if they designate a team as a home team and an away team, purely, I guess, for the jerseys, not that it really matters. I think you could just have both teams wear their home jerseys or do alternates or whatever, or do special coronavirus jerseys that you walk off after every game. Um, <laughs> my question is, do the Sixers still get to bring the bell out and ring it if it's one of their home games, uh, you know, beforehand? I, think yeah. is, I don't think so. They only get 35 personnel. And well, does this, the bell count as personnel? Does the bell count as personnel? <laughs> this actually gets to, this will be the last NBA thing we talk about. The atmosphere, I think NBA will suffer the most in terms of the major sports coming back for the lack of um, NBA and hockey. But I think those two, those two sports um, have like the best postseason atmospheres. And hockey be less impacted by it because i think hockey players are like relatively insulated from that but nba players like home court is a real thing and like home fans are a real thing in terms of like changing momentum and like um shouting driving, profanities driving runs and if you're in utah shouting profanities <laughs> um <laughs> so like what yeah like what would you want or like what do you hope for in terms of like the fan experience watching at home um for the NBA playoffs. I want the NBA to like monetize its product, which means miking up players, I think, which is like, it's what the NBA has over every other league is it's stars. I think it just needs to take advantage of that. Um, So I think giving us more of that would be huge. But like I said, I think it would be a major mistake for all these leagues, not to bring in like fan noise. Art, I, obviously it's artificial but I just think like watching the Bundesliga there is a major difference between these games where they don't pump in crowd noise versus when they do um, and it's just weird I like for like the first time when I was watching these German soccer games obviously as a soccer like fan love I love soccer it was interesting to watch these guys talk and I could hear all the communication and stuff but that was old very quickly um, and so I kind of hope the NBA goes that way. I really want them to play the games outside. Um, <laughs> I, I, I am like being completely serious. I mean, they're playing them in Florida. They're playing them with the wide world of sports. Like, I think you either got to go outside or you got to find the smallest gym possible and play there because I don't think piping in crowd noise is the answer. I think you, what you want is you want to emphasize the product and like, you want to hear you want to hear the shoes squeaking. Like, you want to be able to, like, if you can't hear the fans cheering, you want to hear as much basketball noise as possible. And so you either want to go outside, you, have a... No one wants that. Like, go back and watch that Golden State Warriors-New York Knicks game where they did that. And they, they had fans there, too. Yeah, that game was no fun to watch or that's, listen to. Well, and that's well, a, but, but, that's a Madison. That, that's a Madison Square Garden. It's so different. Like, have you have you watched like the the uh, the Maui tournament or, or the Maui Invitational? Like, they the they've got fans played in the stands. ballroom in Aruba. Well, right, <laughs> the Battle for Atlantis. Yes, the best. Yeah, <laughs> the best Sorry. preseason, best, whatever they're called, early season that. Uh, yeah, I should have put some respect um, on the Battle for Atlantis's name. I apologize. Yeah, it's 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 just amazing. Um, but so to the point. Go ahead, John. Sorry. No, 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 no. I'm. Uh, I was just gonna say that to the point of the that Knicks Golden State game from 
two or three years ago, the players were complaining about it. So I think whatever you artificially pump in is going to create, like, I can already read and see the, like, um, complaints from players that, like, this crowd noise was louder than that crowd noise. And, like, or, like, they were... Do they, they were... need to hear it? Can it just come through on our end? Yeah, I guess that's true. I didn't think about it from well, that perspective. Different and incredibly strange at that point in time, I think. <laughs> Um, but it won't feel strange to us. So I'm telling you, weird. you guys should watch these Bundesliga games. They're weird. Watch them without noise, then watch the ones that do the noise, and I think there's a major right. difference. But there's less noise inherent in a soccer game. Like, soccer is a... I don't know. Dortmund quiet. is, like, pumping in. Bruce Dortmund pumps in, like, all their chants. It's loud. No, no, no. What I'm talking about is, like, playing soccer. Like, it's grass. You know, you, you get the sound of the foot on the ball... And then sure. you have the players yelling at each other. That's pretty yeah. much it. I'm talking. There's more natural percussion to a basketball. Game. So you want to be able to hear the swish and the brick and all well, that, yeah, and the weird. shoes squeaking. Yeah, I think that's what you lean into. You lean into what people like. What it's like to play pickup. Like you know what it's like to play pickup basketball. You know the sounds. You know the feeling. I think you just emphasize that aspect of it. That it's basketball. You know, we're not we're not doing all these other things. We're not doing this other junk. There's no, you know, there's always going to be social media and stuff but you go these are the best basketball players on the planet and they're playing and you know you can kind of see yourself there this is it's so difficult to envision yourself in an nba game because they're so amazing such amazing athletes i think this is an opportunity to really get even more buy-in um from your fans and also like the i don't know 30 something year old guys that go out and play pickup basketball that also don't watch the nba Uh, (laughs) I, I think there's there's certain there's a definitely a demographic there. Uh, well, <laughs> if there's a league that I trust to like figure it out, I think I would put my faith in the NBA above uh, pretty much any other uh, professional sports league. Which is a good segue into so the bad of these sports trying to come back. Which really the only one left is Major League Baseball trying to sort out its labor issues. We don't need to spend a lot of time on this. Um, it's just frustrating as a as a baseball fan, as someone who, um, like, is hoping was hoping that this could be an opportunity for baseball to come back, and they had the opportunity to be one of the first sports back, one of the first major sports back. Um, they could have hit like an early July time frame. They didn't because they're still bickering over money. Um, and really, um, we don't need to get into like the details of it, but it's like a matter of how much the owners are willing to pay the players versus how much the players are willing to give up, understanding it's a shortened, uh, truncated season. Um, baseball has already, I think, like lost that opportunity, and it will be an even like the worst case scenario is they don't they don't come back at all. That won't happen. I'm I'm confident in that, and I'm not going what as I say this. I think the number they'll land on is going to end up being like 60 between 60 and 80 games regular season, which is, is too short for a baseball season. I mean, it's less than half the length. And the example we were talking about before we started recording was if you ran that length of season last year, the Washington nationals, the world series champions from 2019 wouldn't even have made the playoffs. And, and again, baseball had the opportunity to play what's closer to like a, what would have been something more resembling a, a full length season. Um, and really, it does come down, in my opinion, I think the lion's share of the blame rests with the owners who have taken this as an opportunity to try to like assert their leverage over the players. And baseball has a CBA that's coming 
up uh, after the 2021 season. So they are looking towards that. They're also not realizing that there's this, um, they're treating it like this short-term financial uh, loss is greater than the profit they've made and will continue to make for owning a professional sports team, even though it is baseball and it's not like as fast growing as the NBA or as um, like explosive as the NBA. It's frustrating um, that the owners don't have that long-term vision for the game because it's going to end up hurting the game long-term, the fact that they're focused so much on short-term profits. Um, I don't know if you guys have anything to add to that because I um, just ranted, but um, I'm confident baseball will come back. I'm just frustrated that it's taken this long and that in doing so, it's kind of like hurt somewhat. I think baseball will be the most um, like prone to an asterisk or like a, a tainted season in terms of um, like the, the legitimacy of it. Yeah, it's crazy I mean, to I'm, me. Go ahead, John. I'm just, I've got a couple, I think really just two points. The first one is I think baseball season is pretty much already lost. And because there's three really important dates to me in the baseball, or maybe four, four really important dates in the baseball season, opening day, the World Series, and then Memorial Day and the 4th of July. Um, and you don't have open, opening days gone, Memorial Day is gone, the 4th of July is gone. And it's the only thing they're playing for now is to try and get the World Series in. And it's just not going to feel right when you do this really shortened season. It's not going to be... Yeah, the, what makes the World Series so great and the play, baseball playoffs so great is that you have these, you always have these two, at least two, maybe three or four titans of of teams coming out of the leagues where they've got 94, 95, 99 games. It's not like they've got these, you know, massive gaudy, gaudy records. They've got guys in the pitching staff and the hitting, hitting that you recognize that you appreciate over a long season. And then you've got these smaller teams that have cobbled stuff together and just kind of slid in that are going to fight for it. And so I, I think they've cheapened the World Series by waiting so long. And I also think that they all, all watched, um, uh, what's it called, The Last Dance. And they, for whatever reason, came out of it thinking that Jerry Krause and Reinsdorf were like the heroes. Um, <laughs> super bizarre. They're, they're, I think I guess the only people in America that, that took that away as the, the lesson to be learned. That you really got to hold your line um, when you're negotiating with, with stars. And that that helps you ultimately in the end that you, you come out smelling like a rose really, you know? Uh, but yeah, disappointing. Yeah. I mean, my thought, I don't really think about like get into the weeds of baseball, but cause it's baseball, but uh, <laughs> organizationally just like what a failure. Um, I mean, I really think like as a commissioner of a sports league, you really have probably two major jobs and that's one to grow your sport and two to like, handle labor negotiations and the fact that we're sitting here talking about baseball not happening because of labor and not the fact that there's this major pandemic going on like the fact that that is the the labor negotiations is the bottleneck here is wild that is it's just that's crazy to me and that is granted that's where we were sitting with mls a week ago and lots can change as an mls in a week um and i was ripping don garber last week but I mean, just what a massive failure! Um, I just—it's crazy to me that that is where what things are stuck on uh, with everything that's going on. Especially when the hurdles, like the logistical hurdles, which the NBA has spent like the most of its time trying to sort out for a sport that's very close proximity, baseball doesn't even have that issue. Baseball is no. like so perfectly suited. For yeah, baseball is the most suited to play 
in this current situation. So they, yeah, they had, they had that like on a platter for them where that, like they could have spent most of their time. They could have, they could have really quickly come to an agreement, spent a lot of time being thoughtful about how they come back while being safe. And they could have been back by early July. Um, been the first part back. They could, they, they could, they could be playing baseball on the 4th of July and they chose not to. Uh And that's, to me, that's just really wildly upsetting. Um, so, uh, let's transition to the last sport that we want to talk about. Um, so we had the good, the bad, and now this is the weird, which is college football because college football is always weird and college football is weird because, um, really quickly it's gone from a lot of questions about whether the season's going to happen, whether it will be delayed until the spring should be delayed until the spring to now there seems near certainty that some form of the season will happen in the fall. But because there's not a central body that has any sort of authority over uh, college football, there's this very real possibility that college football will look very different in California, Oregon, Washington than it does in Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama. Um, And so Cooper, for example, was talking earlier about how Ohio State is supposed to go play in Eugene, Oregon early in the season. That in all likelihood, it's not going to happen. Um, But Ohio State is not going to say, oh, that's too bad. We'll just, you know, like chalk that one up as a, because there's like, they would need to fill their schedule with teams that build a college football playoff resume. And that was the intent of scheduling a a road game at Oregon. Um, Yeah. So college football is in a weird place. Um, I think we're happy it's coming back, but go ahead, John. I think there are also some contractual obligations that these schools undertake when they sign to play football with each other. I mean, Notre Dame is still living that out um, with the contract we signed with BYU. There is, there's still a game that we owe BYU, and BYU is not letting Notre Dame forget that. Um, so when Notre Dame plays in Las Vegas next year or the year after, or whenever we have a Shamrock Series game there, just be ready. Um, that's why. So there, there are these other... It's, Unlike other sports where there are individual monetary issues with each of, with each of the games that are scheduled, uh, on top of all your, all of your bringing people back, bringing in the personnel, and then finding a way to actually get the season done on time. Um, and you're just talking about massive organizations. Like these aren't. This isn't even like the NFL where you're limited to 52 guys plus personnel. Like you're talking about. You know, Ohio State brings in 85 guys plus, you know, 30 walk-ons. And then you have all of the personnel and staff that support that team. I mean, that's most of your, you know, top 25 college football programs across the country. Like, these programs are huge. And how you manage all that, I think, is crazy. And you have them in the context of, I mean, it's not like the NFL or like the NBA where you're like, okay, well, we're going to go into a bubble. It's like, no, each of these is actually within the context of a small town to yes. reasonably large yeah. city um, of, of a university of anywhere from like 8,000 to I think 60,000 people. <laughs> How are you going to do social distancing? So, you know, <laughs> so what does the solution look like for, um, I think for conference games, at least there's like some level of comfort that like, teams in your conference i know there are exceptions like the acc is spread across 
a pretty wide geographic. Yeah, the ACC and the Big Ten are spread across like, well, like twelve states. Like, how do you I manage that? But I don't get why I don't get this. I don't get the line of thinking, or I don't get the the reasoning behind. Oh, well, I mean, you know, we'll, we'll be able to work the conference games out. It's like you're gonna have the same prop. Like, sure, maybe you can take a bus to yeah. a conference game, and you can't do an out of conference game, but. Buses have their own problems, um, you know, that are different from airlines. Yeah, instead uh, of taking and, four buses, you're now taking twenty buses to a game. Yeah, um, and it's like I, I don't understand why people just assume that. Well, the Big Ten schedule will happen, and then we'll have to fill in the other. We'll fill in the other games. It's like I don't, I don't know if that's going to happen. I don't know if Illinois is going to decide it's worth it to fill the field a football team this year. You know, um, I'm sure they will because um, that's where they make money, but. I, I don't. I don't quite get the reasoning um, why why we can just assume those are going to happen. Um, so well, that's so the whole does, other. Sorry, can, the ahead, whole no. other part is like the financial repercussions of this that we haven't even talked about, which seems so ginormous for a lot of like for college football. Whereas, like, I think, I mean, obviously, the NBA can absorb a hit of if the NBA season wouldn't have finished and they wouldn't have had the postseason. The NBA can absorb that hit. The players take their pay cut. The teams take their pay cut. And it works itself out. They move on, right? You're going to have college programs that are going to really, and athletic departments that are really going to struggle if college football doesn't happen. Um, and you're already starting to see that kind of play out as teams and universities are preparing for college football not to happen. Athletic departments are already kind of proactively, preemptively making cuts. Um, so, I mean, that kind of seems like a significant factor uh, for college football in comparison to kind of other leagues. Well, then there's also a factor on top of that, which is that these, so these, I mean, not all these schools make money off college football. Like they actually end up losing money on the year or they break really close to even. And that gets even harder when you don't have a full tuition um, cohort coming in where people are going, if I can't be in person at my college, why do I need to pay you tuition? Like why, why even show up? Why not take a gap year? Why not do this, that, or the other? And then you've got recruit. You've got eighteen-year-old recruits who are like, uh, I don't know if I'm going to come to. If I'm going to come out to Norman, Oklahoma, or South of Indiana, or Tuscaloosa, uh, if I don't even know if we're going to play a season, or if I'm not going to be able to go back and see my my family at all for like four or five months, or however long we're doing this this thing for. Like, if you go back to Notre Dame to play, you're not leaving campus until until like January. Well, I yeah, doubt they even let the football players leave at Thanksgiving. I know. Like, I mean, I, I'm. If you've got a, if the team does well and you've got a bowl game coming up, you've got a competitive bowl game. It's like, well, you could go home for Christmas or you could stay here and, you know, do whatever. Uh, it's like, this is going to be a, this is a massive decision for eighteen to twenty-two year olds to be making. Um, and then on top of that, the people that are going to take care of the eighteen to twenty-two year olds, you know. Yeah. That being said. There seems to be very real momentum about football <laughs> happening. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's the thing. Like, players reported so this week, and yeah, I didn't know that it happened. happened so quietly. That's exactly yeah. it. Like this, this all of a sudden is just proceeding as if it's going to happen. And I think we agree. It, for all the reasons we've said, it needs to happen in a lot of cases for like the financial stability of college athletics going forward. But I think there's a lot of questions about how it happens. Obviously. Uh, I don't think we have any answers, but I mean, if you guys have any thoughts, I think we just need like need more time, which we don't have a ton of, but we have a little bit of to see how the next like month plays out. And then 
we're gonna need some like creative thinking in terms of how we do how college football reimagines its schedule. Yeah, I, well, I think the biggest thing is actually happening right now, where there, the players have reported back and people are testing positive. And the question is, how do you react to that? How do you protect, you know, whether it's a staff member, whether it's a player, whether it's a random student who is on campus and the university is reporting everyone that they're testing? And I think that's like, I think that was Iowa or someone just reported one test out of this whole bucket of people that they had, that they had tested. How do you isolate that? How do you prevent it from spreading? Can you be successful at that? And so, like, this next month is very crucial because if you can do that, if you can show up at, you know, Notre Dame and South Bend or wherever, be positive, convalesce, come back and not infect any of your teammates, then they've got a model that works. And they can, you can export that other places and you can also successfully, you know, continue doing what you're doing. But if it doesn't work, then you're just done. So I think, like, the next month is very crucial. Like, if you can't, if 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 teams can't, teams and schools can't find a way to get over this initial return and keeping everyone safe, then there's, I think, absolutely no chance that there's a season. And there's a very good possibility that schools that have already announced that they're bringing their students back for the fall totally reevaluate that and maybe move on. Yeah. Well, we'll we'll certainly continue to um, discuss and follow it. Um, all right, let's do this fire forward that we cooked up of um, in the spirit of documentaries, which is the only sports, like new sports that we've been exposed to the last three months. Michael Jordan, um, the Lance Armstrong documentary. So this is our fire four of uh, sports documentaries we would want to see. Our th it's our 30 for 30 wish list. Or as we were uh, noting earlier, it can be your wish list of 30 for 30s that uh, you can include documentaries that have been made, but not to your satisfaction, or not not in the way that you were satisfied with. So we, we'll leave it Provided open. Provided it's that. not the last dance. Provided <laughs> it's not the last dance. Yes. Too recent. Too recent. So, uh, who wants to start? I can go first. Oh, John's going to make us all look bad because he has titles well, apparently for all, I, every yeah, single yeah. one of his. I have titles, and I'm just gonna, I'm gonna I want to give I want to give one honorable mention, and it's the 30 for 30 on the NBA players arguing about which hotel they get. <laughs> pandemic. I, that's a great. That's one that's going to come out. Uh, but my you, my number. You have one, a title for that one. I had I was thinking like Hotel California. I don't know. I was I was workshopping in my head just now. I didn't have enough time. Um, we'll come back to it. Maybe Field of Dreams. I don't know. Uh, um, so my, so the, the number one, and I actually won't read all mine off this time. I'll only do one. Um, <laughs> promise. Is uh, entitled For Whom the Trash Can Tolls. And it's the uh, a 30 for 30 examining, of course, the Astros. You suck! I was so sure that we wouldn't like self... Uh, <laughs> self-sabotage each other with this and that was like one of my one of the first ones that came to my mind and it's a good pick yeah. it's a good pick it's a good pick, uh, pick. bangazi as some have called it uh, that's a good pick. <laughs> <laughs> inappropriate inappropriate yeah <laughs> okay uh cooper all right um so i want one on we'll go the fifa scandal the 2015 fifa scandal uh, which eventually led to Sepp Blatter's removal. 
Um, mainly because I don't understand it. That's why I'm picking it. Um, there are like books written on it. I'm not going to read a book. That's ridiculous. Um, so I want a documentary. What was the name of the well, book? Red Card. I actually read that book. Yeah. Um, that's a good pick. I feel like Scandal just uh, mm-hmm. like Scandal and Thirty for Thirty are synonymous, mm-hmm. which oh, yeah. leads nicely into my first pick: the 2002 Kings Lakers Western Conference Finals. Oh. <laughs> 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 that like the NBA seemingly moved past like with really not much. Um, like of a black eye from the fact that Tim Donahue was one of the refs in those series who like has been found very guilty of betting on games that he officiated. And if you just like look at some of the, the highlights and the box scores and the free throw disparities and those, and then also just like the, um, the reasons the NBA would have to fix that series for the Lakers, or at least like extend that series to seven games of all the NBA conspiracy theories, that one I, I have like the highest degree of confidence in. I would just think like it would be fascinating to like for someone to spill the beans on what went what went on. They can't, they still blew that series. They still should have won, even despite the free throw disparity. Yeah, I was trying to look up the free throw disparity in Game Six because Game Six is the one that's like yeah particularly egregious. Um, I'll maybe I'll look it up while you guys are talking, but yes, they they did choke and Chris Webber. I mean, that's kind of his like that's his mo. Um, but that Kings team was ridiculous. Bibby. Doug Christie, Chris Weber. Uh, yeah, anyway. very good. Uh, Peja on that team? Pe- Peja Stojakovic, Vlade, yeah. Vlade and Shaq. Like, hmm. Are we... Uh, right. Snake, Snake yeah, you got to go again. Snake, get around. John took my number two pick. Um, so I guess I will go with just uh, a 30 for 30 on Manny Ramirez. We call it Manny being Manny. Um because Manny was one of the most like fascinating baseball players of my lifetime, just from like a personality standpoint. Um, also has his like share of controversy. Like he uh, got suspended for for PEDs for taking <laughs> taking estrogen uh, supplements. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, and then among other things, like would cut off relay throws from the outfield um, as a as an as a, another outfielder would go inside the green monster in between innings to relieve himself. Just like an all-around fascinating guy, outside of being one of like the greatest hitters of all time, um, and that could be more like a light-hearted thirty for thirty. Like you know how they sometimes do like the, the kind of like just personality um, stories. That would be that would be a good one. Yeah. All right. So my second one is I want a documentary. Now that I got one on Jordan, I want a documentary on LeBron. But I want no basketball in the documentary. I literally just want it to be on everything that LeBron does off the court. Um, so particularly, I want to talk about the meeting that didn't happen between Wade, Bosch, and LeBron before the decision. That definitely happened. I need to know about that. Yeah. Um, I want to know about basically how he's you know, managed all of his teams, basically been a general manager, and somehow operates uh, like an agency. Don't really know how that works. Um, yeah. And then we can talk about Space Jam and just all that sort of stuff. So I don't want to focus on a basketball, but that's just what I want. What about what about hot box pizza? Oh, it's not hot. It's Blaze. Blaze. Come on, Blaze. Come on John. My bad. Is, was hot box pizza the one on Eddie Street? No, there was a Blaze on. There was a Blaze. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Which Maybe yes, I went there because LeBron 
owned like 30% of that company. Uh-huh. I don't know if that'll make the cut in the documentary. Probably not. Maybe get left Maybe on just the like at the beginning. Cutting room floor. Flashing through things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, do you have a name for it, Cooper? Uh, no, not really. Okay. Oh, come on. We can, we can All my names are going to pale in comparison to what John... It's just like... I, no, we'll just stay away from it. I, I fed you this idea, though, and I fed you a name, too. I forget what you said. Something about uh, the air, which was, was a little was play. Air. Yeah, a little play on words there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, John. John, you are up. Okay. Um, I get, this is a back-to-back, right? Yeah. Okay. So, uh, no, so second pick is called Mended Wings. And it goes through the end of the Chip Kelly era up through uh, Philly Special. <laughs> but it only follows, but it follows primarily Nick Foles, um, obviously. Uh, <laughs> um, and just the, one of the greatest moments in Philadelphia, Philadelphia sports history. Um, I think he's one of two people with statues, statues outside the Lincoln Financial Field. Um, because there's the statue of him talking. That's that's the thing that commemorates this Eagles Super Bowl is the two of them. He, he and Doug Peterson on the sideline getting getting in the call in. Um, uh, but it's just great. I mean, it's the one that gives Tom Brady nightmares still, as we all learned from his pants busting uh, golf exploits. Um, <laughs> but uh, just just great. I would just love to follow Nick Foles and just like. I know that uh, there probably weren't cameras there, but just to like go back and see like what Doug Peterson thought at the end of that season where everyone just died and then they threw Nick Foles in and then just being able to relive watching them beat the Falcons with the ball bouncing off people's helmets and stuff and then beating the Vikings after the Minneapolis miracle. And um, then we don't talk about yeah. what happened in the Super Bowl. No, and then we talk about what happened in the Super Bowl, but it's just you kind of fast forward, you get the... You get Brady messing up the play, and then you get Nick Foles running for a touchdown, and that's that's most of it. Then that's all the rest is history. And you know, how, how do you not call that Philly special? I think you could call it Philly special, but I was just trying to come up with a more creative thing. Yeah, I get, yeah, too obvious. I get it. <laughs> okay, but but and also like a story of the of the 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 franchise overcoming the horror of the Chip Kelly years. Um, you know, he basically sold everyone on the team for parts. Okay. All uh, right. And so my other one, uh, my other one is called <laughs> Valentine's Day Massacre, uh, and it's about the Bobby Valentine era of the Boston Red Sox. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, that, the, that one the, year. I guess the concert. Yeah, the one year of concert that everyone's clamoring for. <laughs> I need education. So That's well, I don't understand. This was immediately post the uh, fried chicken and beer Red Sox season, 2011. When they fired Francona, they fired Theo Epstein, and the, the man they thought could uh, whip the boys into shape was Bobby V. And they went uh, 2012 Red Sox record, um, 69 and 93. <laughs> yeah, nice. <laughs> it was awful. Yep, it was a rough one. But hey, the next year, the next year um, won the World Series. That would make a great third for thirty. I won't. Yeah, I won't no, no, that's that. why it's that's. Here. Is that not a 30 for 30? I think where you just have to understand what went wrong. <laughs> what, the 2013? Oh, wait, no. That's, sorry. Thinking, no, I've just relived so many of the World Series that the Red Sox won. I'm I know. living with Jeff for three years. 
we actually that was so that many, was right in so the, many uh, chilling videos part of it yeah okay so john uh what was the name of that one uh valentine's day massacre yeah. was he hired on valentine's day oh <laughs> bobby valentine no it's just bobby valentine yeah yeah wait okay all right, that's that's your pick. You can do with it what you will, uh, Cooper. All right, um, we'll go with this as number three. I'm a little. I don't think Jeff has it, but I know all of his are about the NBA, so I'm just going to go ahead and say this one. Um, the DeAndre Jordan courtship that happened. <laughs> that was the start of NBA Twitter. Yeah, like the invention of NBA Twitter. Yeah. Um, they're just. I feel like so many things about that story that we know, but like don't know all of it um and so i feel like that 30 for 30 would have a lot to say i think it'd be really interesting plus i mean the personalities in that story are fantastic yeah you have doc and blake and, and chris cuban. paul mark cuban yeah was he did he park in the driveway i he can't park s- in driveway, someone right yeah and then i think Cuban, like, they, his driver drove him there. Cuban basically, like, wanted to break into the house because no one answered the door. Um, I don't know. I'm having a hard time remembering. Yeah. Yeah. That, that all sounds about right. And it, all for DeAndre Jordan, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's the best part. <laughs> <laughs> hey, he was, like, a prize free agent at the time. This was back when, like, Roy Hibbert was getting big bucks and uh oh, Roy Hibbert man they, they were still centers to get big bucks after this just don't who forget Mozgov oh Timothy Mozgov that's exactly what I was gonna say <laughs> <laughs> this isn't actually my pick but you could do a 30 for 30 on the team that was around LeBron during the 2015 uh, NBA finals <laughs> and the Warriors it was like Mozgov Delhi where are they now where are they now Phil yeah that's not my pick though um, uh, let's check the audible now because John took the Astros one um, I'll go with uh, Tiger Woods from 2010 to like up to winning the Masters Ooh. last year um, so like and if, if you could ever get him to kind of be like really candid about it which I feel like is actually not that um, didn't he write a book on it or am I like <laughs> this is why you make documentaries so we <laughs> I mean it, it, that was my first choice too is for the same reason <laughs> But I'm saying he has talked about this, right? I guess. But there's like a lot probably that you could, uh, with like all of his health issues, his back issues, like um, the like start and stop attempts to like come back, and all culminating with that 2019 Masters. Um, yeah. I think that, that would be a good story to tell via documentary. And I number- cried during that documentary. I, just, I can just like, all right, envision it. There'd be oh, a lot yeah. of Tiger and his dad stuff. Yeah, you'd have to get through in that documentary. Tiger and his dad. Yeah, a lot of flashbacks, like like in the last dance. Mm -hmm. Yep, yep. Um, and number four for me, um, I have a bunch here that were like honorable mentions, like the seven seconds or less, uh, Phoenix Suns, like a a basketball team ahead of its time. Uh, But I'll go with, um, yeah, I'll go with this one just to be a homer. The the snowball. The, the tuck rule game and like the the ripple effects that that sent through um the nfl for the next two decades really um and just like a um 
like a picturesque setting for sports, like the the snow falling, like um, the young upstart quarterback coming like up against the the Oakland Raiders. Yeah. I would watch that. That's <laughs> sick. Um, all right, honorable mentions. Do we have any any others? Well, I didn't give a. Haven't oh, we, do yeah. we have to go back around? Oh, we do. My bad. My bad. Come on, go moderator. Um, so I was initially going to go. So one of my honor mentions would be Tattoo Gate. Um, but I was initially going to put that in. I just think it would actually. So what I actually want is probably more of like an E60 story that Jeremy Shap would do. But whatever. We're going to turn it into a documentary. Jeremy I want, Schapp. I want a whole doc on the fact that UNC created fake schedules and fake classes for athletes. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, I still don't. I don't understand how that wasn't a wider story than what it was. And they basically I, got away with it. The, they did get they away with it completely because <laughs> the, the NCAA doesn't get to define what a class is or, or like any of the academic requirements. As long as the university is satisfied, then the NCAA has to be satisfied. And that's just, why Notre Dame still counts Brian Kelly's wins from the years they told us to vacate because Father Jenkins is like, huh? <laughs> I just. That. That never made, like, that story didn't make it to, like, national prominence that I thought it should have. Um, And so I'd love a documentary on that. And then, so, like, Tattoo Gate would fall under, I think, like, what is a lesser, a much lesser NCAA scandal. Obviously interesting to me personally, um, but probably not to a wider audience. Then a a story on UNC would be, I think, pretty interesting. My turn? Yep. Yeah. Okay. So this is my last one, and then I have two honorable mentions. It's called O. It's all about Coach Orgeron, Ed Orgeron. (laughs) Tracks him from Ole Miss, you know, through wherever he was between Ole Miss and USC, and then USC, and then LSU, almost getting fired at LSU, and then winning the national title. And a lot of just him talking about his life. I just yeah, like can he narrate? Yeah, ideally, I want him to narrate. I want him to narrate, and I want I want us I want to find his mother and his father if they're still alive, or if not, just close family members that maybe also talk like him or don't, and can explain why he ducks. It would also be dope if he could go and like interview the people in the documentary, so you could just hear him more. Yeah, it's essentially him um, telling his life. (laughs) <laughs> this one should actually get made. Like, I feel like we should tell someone about they this. Should. The legend yeah. of uh, Coach O, I think, is well, really interesting. Yeah, it's being just... like an interim like superstar at like two different. Wasn't he the interim at USC and then the interim at Ole Miss? Yeah. Well, that I think that part is interesting. Yeah. I don't want to take in really. I'm gonna say this, and it's gonna sound like I'm trashing him. I'm not trying to, but we're talking about a coach who's had, for the most part, been above average, and then had one incredibly good season. And yet, has reached this like legendary status that few uh, coaches have. I just think it's really interesting. It's fascinating. It is. It's great. Um, so, so that's my, that's the last one. I have two honorable mentions. One is called the Golden Man, which is the Bobby Bonilla story, and basically mm. how the Mets continue <laughs> yeah. to pay him for twenty years. Fantastic. Uh, <laughs> And then the uh, the other one is called Mother of Dragons, and it's the story of the Nets <laughs> almost becoming the Swamp Dragons. Um, <laughs> so, John, you should watch that like, one. John yeah. is like actually good at this. Like this is like a career <laughs> that John should like just feed ideas to ESPN. 
That last one, how did that not make your top four? Sorry, that last one's awesome. Can I take that as my fourth? I kind of hate my fourth. Last one was number four, but then I thought of Coach O, and I was like, I gotta do, I gotta do O, I gotta do O instead of Mother Mother of Dragons. So, gotta go with good. Cooper, do you we, have any other honorable mentions? No, besides... I don't have any other honorable mentions. And sorry, we can cut this out. Did we talk about the Swamp Dragons on pot on the podcast, or was that just off us talking off air? That was that was a sidebar. I can't remember. I think it was a it sidebar. Was a... So that's. I think so too. Okay. Part of why I threw it in. Okay. Sorry. It's just such a great story, and like one I did not believe at all until I actually sat down and read. It's an incredible um, story. It's an incredible story. Hilarious. Another incredible story. When does Bobby the Nets literally gave away? Dr. J, Julius Irving. Yeah. Like I went back and I read the history of the Nets and I was like, oh, oh my gosh, they're all. Yeah. Um, but anyway. <laughs> when does Bobby Benia stop getting paid? When we I die. It, I think it was last year. 2035. <laughs> 2035? Never mind. My bad. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and you know, the Nationals tried to do the same thing to Bryce Harper. Yeah. Like, We're basically going to pay you until you die. And it's like, Bryce Harper was like, no, I want it all now. <laughs> Can you imagine like what the Nationals were committing themselves to? Like, I mean, <laughs> this is ridiculous. It really is. Um, okay, that was good. John, you were, those are like stellar. Like you're, you have like a, a bench, like three deep of documentary ideas. <laughs> like someone, someone needs to do something with. <laughs> all right, let's finish up with our waste of data. Does anyone want to volunteer to start with our waste of data? Sure. Um, so I mentioned Ian Book earlier, and I'll mention him again here. Um, ESPN does preview did previews of all, I guess, all the college football teams, or maybe just all the college football contenders. I don't know. I got a breakdown of the ESPN article on a secondary site. Um, so I didn't actually read the full ESPN. Actually, I did read the full ESPN article, but just for Notre Dame, not for everyone else. Um, and they, they did, uh, I think, what ifs. Um, or four ifs or something for Notre Dame's season to go from okay to contender or whatever, or to actually make it to the college football playoff. Four ifs that needed to happen. None of the ifs were Ian Book or concerned Ian Book at all or concerned Ian Book throwing deep balls or anything like that, which portrayed to me a severe lack of understanding of what Notre Dame's program has looked like the last two years. Um, the de- like They focused for the most part on the defense, and I think while we have in a, uh, a bit of inexperience in certain a- certain aspects of the uh, of the defensive secondary, and maybe not as huge guys as we normally do on the defensive line, I think any Notre Dame fan will tell you that they're fully comfortable with Clark Lee working things out on the fly as the season goes on. Um, and are, we're far more concerned about if Ian Book can consistently deliver at a high level he has shown he can play at, especially towards the end of last season after the Virginia Tech game. If he can go out there and be that kind of killer attitude, winner instinct um, that he found um, at the end of last year, or if he's going to go the way of many uh, Brian Kelly Notre Dame quarterbacks and not really progress beyond a certain point. I just got bummed out thinking about the Notre Dame Clemson game in November and how it's, that was going to be like the best Notre Dame home game since what the Bush push? Probably. Yeah. Um, no, I think maybe Michigan. I'm sure there was a Michigan game where they were 
Hey, I don't know. I mean, are so, we already? So wait, we're all <laughs> in your head. You were already saying that that was the best home game. That it hasn't happened yet. Just just okay. Clear. Sorry, the best is not. When there does to, to me seem like a very anticipated home game. Okay, maybe. maybe. I was just gonna say it does. There does seem to be like a very legitimate chance that Notre Dame doesn't really. I don't know. Handle that competition that well. Uh, yeah, there's a great chance that it doesn't happen. I would say it's never, never played in seven of November. All right, can we can we agree seven of November is not the most hospitable place in the world? No, it's not. Yeah, I'm just saying there's at least a chance that that game is not enjoyable to watch. Yes, do we think Clemson owns space heaters for the sideline? I think they could probably procure them in their. I'm pretty sure they have a budget to do it. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Dabo's the highest paid figure in the state of public paid figure in the state of South Carolina. So I feel like they have that money. I would agree. Who um, knows? So okay, fair enough about the best game. You're right, but the most the most hyped game. Although that could change based on Notre Dame loses to Wisconsin and drops a stinker somewhere else along the line. Um, or Clemson loses. What why does that have to be us losing? I mean, we could win all those games and Clemson should. Uh, doesn't seem likely. Because that's what we do, John. That's what we do. All right. So sticking to um, ridiculous preseason college football rankings, power rankings, all that stuff. That is also where my wasted data is. And uh, Tom Fornelli is actually going to be the target of mine. He writes for CBS. And this isn't really fair to him because – so the way this – they've ranked all the college football coaches. Um I think they did actually pretty much all of them. Um, and so they separate it by the power five conferences. And then they also do kind of the aggregate rankings um, and they do it by like a poll, I think of their college football writers. Um, anyways, I just think the rankings are absolutely ridiculous. Like um, somehow Jimbo Fisher ends up in the top 10, which I think is absolutely wild. <laughs> um, Dan Mullen is eight, which Ooh. like, I think Dan Mullen's a good coach. Dude's never won a conference title ever. Um, there are some other it, interesting ones. Like I think Ed Orgeron, which we've talked about this. I mean, we talked about it in the uh, fire four, but like the persona of coach. O to me, it's just wild. The, like he is so popular um, for just one season. Like, and I don't think his body of work makes him the fourth best coach in college football. Ultimately, this really boils down to Ryan day being 10th, uh, he's not even the highest-ranked uh, Big Ten coach. <laughs> James Franklin is ninth. Um, no, I don't fully no. understand how that happens. Tom Fornelli had Ryan Day at number 15. Um, but whatever. I don't fully understand that. Uh, it just is what I don't see how in the world. If you, if you watched college football last year and you watched the Penn State-Ohio uh, State game, uh, you would know that Ryan Day is the superior coach to James Franklin. Where's Where's BK? Actually, pretty high. Uh, number five. I, I would. Oh, well. Wow. Head of Kirby like, Smart, which irks, ooh, irks I, me I a know. little bit, considering sure, Kirby but, Smart has is 2-0 and o against Brian Kelly. Um, yeah, but Kirby Kirby also lost the SEC championship game, but decided to do a fake punt. He did. Um, John, when is the last time Brian Kelly won a, like, I mean, like a marquee game? Um, that's got to be the knock know. against Brian Kelly. It is. I mean, it's that's... his record against like top ten teams. 
um, particularly on the road. Oklahoma. <laughs> so it was nine years ago, eight years ago. Yeah. Yeah, that is the knock against Brian Kelly. It's it's the it's the big one. And yeah. it just seems when he goes up against to me, Brian Kelly, when he goes up against best coaches, he just always seems behind. Always. Like the national championship game against Alabama, he was a half behind Saban. I said like I feel the same way about that Clemson game in yeah. whatever year that was. Like he was he was a half behind. He's just like he does not come in with the right game plan to attack teams. He's good at reacting to what teams do to stop them, but I just don't. I think he he is one of the best uh, minimalizers, like in terms of that's maybe that's the wrong word for it. But I think he, I think he's very good at not not losing close games. Yes. Um, Like, 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 I think he's got he's got the guts to win close games, but the issue is getting to. Is really the third quarter. The third quarter is a huge problem. Um, it's it's been a massive problem the last two years, I would say. And big game. I don't know if I agree with the close games thing though, because you look at Clemson, Florida State. Uh, but those games weren't really close. Okay. Like that Clemson but game wasn't won, close. Yes, until he made State it close. Game. Yeah, and we won the Florida State game. Can we all agree that <laughs> we won the Florida State game? <laughs> like, come on. I mean, we can play that game all day. Like. The what if game, the ref game. I don't know. Um, well, no, I, I don't think Florida. That's what I'm saying. I don't think Florida State is fair. I think, I think we, I think that you, he did almost everything he could to win that game. Um, Stanford, 2015. Um, I don't know. I just think I think there have been close games. You could even you could even they, throw that like ridiculous Texas game in the lost season in that into that category. Like big, it was a big game at the time. And but the entire the entire 2012 season. Like, if you look at how Brian Kelly started his time in Notre Dame, it was winning the 50-50. He won the 50-50 games, and then he lost games by, like, 14 or 20 points. That was how, <clears throat> that was how it operated. Oh, another fun one on Tom Fornelli's list is Matt Campbell's 25th. Like, Duke coaches at Iowa State. We're talking about it's Iowa State, and he's turned them into a good program. He's behind coaches like Mark Stoops. Bronco Mendenhall. Kentucky. Yeah. And David Shaw's ahead of him. I don't know if I disagree with Nemesis. We don't need to like we this could be a segment in and of itself. I don't know if I disagree with that. I think Mark Seuss has done an incredible job at Kentucky given the level of competition they play and like the recruiting challenges that he has well, in that part I of the mean, country. He had, he had a he had a very he had a good year. So what uh, success for Kentucky is so he is in the top 25 for making Kentucky Bowl eligible. That's what, what we're is, saying. What has Matt Campbell done more than that? I mean, beaten high-caliber opponents? The top 25, Kentucky, Kentucky beat, Kentucky they beat Florida. Florida, which, congratulations, I don't think Florida's that great of a program, as hey, I kind of already said with Dan Mullen before. But congrats to Iowa State. What, I'm beating Oklahoma once? Like, I feel like they twice. have a marquee win pretty much every single year. No, I don't, I don't know. I think Ames, Iowa is one of those places that... I, I, the state of Iowa gets hyped up a lot. Yes, it, it, yeah, that's it's, true. Uh, Weird it's the stuff Bermuda Triangle of college football. <laughs> that's so true. We got lost in this in this waste of data. We got way lost. It was a good one, though. It was. Really so, so, sorry, can you can you give us the top five real quick? Okay, so, so it's it's Saban. Uh, gosh, who's number two? Um, Who do you think is I, Dabo? Oh, it's, no, is it Dabo? Dabo, yeah. and then three is Lincoln Riley. 
Yeah. Four is. Coach did you say Jimbo Fisher? It's oh, Coach, Coach o, o, and then five and then Brian, Brian Kelly. Kelly. Wow. And then wow. Kirby Smart. And then Jimbo Fisher. What in the world has Jimbo Fisher done? He's got that plaque. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Jimbo Fisher they gave him a plaque. Texas, after, after how he burned Florida. He won a national ground, championship. Texas A&M to give him all that money. That, that's, that's a feat. That's a feat. That's like, that's like John Gruden, you know, playing Tennessee against, against the Raiders. Uh, man. Okay. I'll do mine waste data really quick so we can wrap up. Um, and it's actually on the same topic of uh, Notre Dame, Clemson, like college football history. So for whatever reason, Taj Boyd tweeted out today. Um, I don't know why this was on, was on his mind, but he said, Notre Dame a contender this year or nah? And Deshaun Watson came across the bow totally like unprompted with a, can I say this? Hell no. H-E-L-L no. Um, I just want to know, is he wrong? I just think it's more, it was, it was unnecessary. Like, Deshaun Watson I just think has... He put uh, his behind Nick Martin. Nick Martin blocks for Deshaun Watson, all right? Yeah. This is it ridiculous. Was just, it wasn't necessary to, for that, like, yeah, you beat Notre Dame in 2015. Yeah, you've been wildly successful in the NFL, and you're... Yeah, um, wildly? Hold on. Look, yes, yes. Successful, think about no, the uphill battle successful. he has to face. I think... With Bill O'Brien as his general manager <laughs> and head coach. Slash head coach, yeah. <laughs> slash think, general manager, yeah. General manager, anyway. coordinator, head coach. Slowly subsuming the entire Texans uh, <laughs> administration into his his body. <laughs> uh, Will Fuller is catching passes from him until he tears his hamstring in the yeah, second no, quarter. He'll of, get injured this year again. Probably like one. Yeah. yeah. I think that I think Deshaun Watson leaves his wide receivers out to dry. And maybe it's because the offensive line is bad. Maybe it's because the scheme is bad. But there were so many games where I watched Will Fuller and uh, gosh, what's DeAndre his name? Hopkins. DeAndre Hopkins just go up and go up and catch a ball that was thrown a little high, and then just can totally lay it out, like just destroyed. Um, oh man! But anyway, anyway, it's rough to play. I, on the it country. was just, it was just, it was just hurtful to see that that kind of like pile on. Um, so like he must have been. I don't know. I don't know what prompted that kind of strong response. He didn't even need to respond, but he must have just been. He and Taj Boyd decided they were going to gang up on Notre Dame today. I didn't. I didn't need that. Uh, all right, that's the show. We appreciate you tuning in. Uh, this has been episode ninety-eight of All the Small Takes. We'll be back as sports ramp up. We'll have a lot to talk about, obviously, and uh, we're excited about uh, the return of live sports. So, hope you're excited too. And uh, uh, until next time. Nope.